1: Attachment means that you are a secure, loving, consistent figure in your children's life. But it doesn't mean that you are perfect. It doesn't mean that you meet their every need. It doesn't mean that you read their every expression. It doesn't mean that whenever they express any discomfort that you're right there to make sure that you figure it out. So I want to be very clear that we do not want to move over into the other place, which I've talked about in the past, is that your goal is to eliminate all distress. Secure attachment, healthy attachment. Connection doesn't mean getting rid of your children's distress.
0: Welcome to Fluster clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker,
1: mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say.
0: So Lynn, I'm super excited for this episode today because I'm going to be a student in the front row. Oh, you are? Yeah. You're going to answer a listener question that I did not know the answer to. So I'm excited to learn. And what we're going to talk today, a listener very astutely noted how frequently you talk about the value of connection. But she asked, what is the difference between connection and enmeshment? And I don't know. So here I am in the front row, my little Hermione, ready
1: to go, (laughs) raising my
0: hand in a minute.
1: Okay, happy to have you, Hermione. So once I start talking about this, you absolutely will know the difference. You know what this is. You just maybe don't know the language that is used. But when I start describing a meshment, you'll be like, oh yeah, it's not a subtle thing. And I'm sure you've been exposed to it. So, and I love this question, which of course is why we're talking about it. Connection. Being able to connect to other human beings. We talk about it all the time. Being able to be vulnerable when you need to. Being able to have a group of people in your life, whether it's in your family or your friends, where you can be who you are, where you can be genuine, where you can be authentic, where they know who you are as a person. Because there are so many situations and relationships we have where we have to put on a different face, right? We have to be in our work mode or we have to be in our student mode or we have to be in our daughter-in-law mode. Whatever it is, we want to know that true connection, authentic connection is based on being able to show a range of emotions who you are. As a parent, when we talk about connection, it sort of moves over into the idea of attachment. And there's a lot about attachment theory, but it's about being there to support and validate your child, to help them become more aware of their emotions to model positive social connection, right? So you're teaching them what boundaries are, you're teaching them what's the difference between being really connected to somebody versus being intrusive. As a parent, you want to be connected to your child in a way that says, I see who you are, I love who you are, and I get that you are a separate person than I am. So I love who you are. I love all that you bring to the world, to the family. I mean, they could have annoying behaviors too that you don't love, but I get it that you are a separate person. You're on your own path. You are on your own path. Because interestingly, there is a really big connection between positive, healthy connection and the development of autonomy. Now, when we talk about enmeshment, That's when all of those boundaries, all of that individuation, all of that separateness starts to go away. Examples of being enmeshed. You know, there are clinical terms here, but one of the things that we know happens is called parentification, or a child becomes a parentified child, which means that they are promoted to the role of co-parent in a family. So that would be a meshment. It means that there's an oversharing of information, that the child almost becomes your confidant. So you're talking to your child about adult things. This can happen in a family where there are divorced parents. And so one parent is using that child to sort of process the divorce. And they're talking about the other parent in a way that is not helpful. Really, you want to think about the roles aren't clear. So there's not a clear differentiation between parent and child. You know, when we talk about episodes, we've done episodes where there's a child sleeping in the bed with the parents. And as a little child, right, like co-sleeping, totally fine. I've said that before. My kids were in my bed. I was nursing them. It was easy. And then it becomes a time when that child is at an age in which there needs to be a differentiation of roles and a differentiation of who is where, and oftentimes, if you've got a 12-year-old sleeping in your bed, that becomes a problem of enmeshment. The other thing that's really important when we're talking about the difference between connection and enmeshment is that when somebody is in an enmeshed role, it doesn't have to necessarily be child and parent. Like you can have this in a marriage, you can have it in a friendship. It's when you are responsible for the other person's emotions. So if the person is sad, mad, grieving, devastated, disappointed, you are the person who is either held responsible for the emotions or responsible for fixing the emotional state that's another sign of enmeshment yeah
0: that's interesting and i think we should unpack this a little bit when we come back why don't we start with attachment theory or what that means and what the developmental path is you know from birth until those early years but just a headline the parentification thing Do you know that that is, in fact, what did happen to me? Yes. Yes. So we can can talk about that. Maybe (laughs) I'm not in the first row. Maybe I'm lying on the sofa today.
1: (laughs) You were in the first row with your very eager Hermione face. And then little by little,
0: you were like, oh, crap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we'll be right back. You know, sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist, but why wait? Therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and feel grounded in your personal relationships. So getting started is the important part. Talkspace makes it easy and affordable.
1: With Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours.
0: It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home, your car, your office. There's no need to commute to appointments and miss time at work or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy.
1: That's right. And it's secure and private. They use the latest end-to-end bank grade encryption technology to store client information, complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. Remember, Talkspace is affordable and it's in network with most major insurers.
0: As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash
1: Fluster. To match with your licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's
0: Talkspace.com slash Fluster. Okay, we're back. Okay, so let's talk about, you mentioned attachment theory, which I'm not sure I know what that is specifically, but I do know what attachment parenting is, because it is something that I read about and... It made sense to me, and I feel like I actually did it effectively with both my kids.
1: Right. So attachment parenting comes from attachment theory, and attachment theory has been around for a really long time. And when we're looking at attachment, we're looking at the ability or a relationship between a parent and a child or a caregiver. You know, when I use the word parent, just know that I'm meaning anybody who happens to be raising a child, right? So whatever form your family takes. So it means that a caregiver, a parent is giving a child security, consistency that the child's needs are being met. So this means if we're talking about babies in attachment, we're talking about a child's basic needs of feeling secure, loved, safe, cared for, that the child is not feeling as if they are on their own at a time developmentally when they shouldn't be on their own. So attachment parenting, it's co-sleeping is part of it, but even if it's not happening, I mean, you don't have to be an attachment parent and and co-sleep with your child, but that would be Attachment parenting would say, I am going to be here for my child. When my child cries, I'm going to respond to that. When my child is hungry, I'm going to respond to that. When my child needs comfort and consolation, I am going to be the person to offer that. So that's where it starts.
0: Yeah. And it's about if you're meeting the needs of security and comfort and affection for a baby. Yes. They feel secure, loved And then they will seek independence as their development allows and is appropriate.
1: Correct. So the whole thing about having what's called secure attachment is that that sets you up for being able to develop autonomy
0: as you mature because you have this secure home base. And the extreme opposite, just for like a visual for people, would be The very tragic circumstance of a child who has RAD.
1: Correct. Reactive attachment disorder. So that's, you are raised where the people who are supposed to take care of you did not. And so you didn't learn how to connect. You didn't trust when a child isn't given the opportunity to attach, when they're neglected, when they're abused, the ability to attach and connect later on is hugely impacted.
0: And I think it's important to say that someone who believes in promoting attachment is also waiting for and supporting and encouraging the flight from the nest and all these various things as well. Like that's part of it. It's not about like, I'm going to have my babies with me. And then when they're 25, I'm letting them go. Right. It's more of an emotional style of parenting. Correct. Secure attachment describes the ability to give
1: your child the skills they need to attach, the ability to trust other people, the ability to get their needs met, the ability to feel like connection with other people is a good thing. And the goal in doing that is so that you can send them out into the world and they can
0: continue to have secure attachments with other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I share something kind of random? Yeah. I was going through some old videos of our family. My son who's 11 now, I have this video of him when he would be, I'm going to say eight months He's sitting on my husband's lap and he and their friend, they're playing their guitars and singing. And I remember this day very clearly like, oh, they're playing this song. And I pull out my phone and I take a video of them. And then my son, I remember, we always joke that like, he doesn't like when he was a baby, if my husband would start singing, he'd be like, get me out of here.
1: <laughs> like that chihuahua. Have you seen that chihuahua on Instagram? <laughs> I
0: haven't, it. like, have but I think you need to share the link with me later. Okay. So it was like this known joke. So I play this video and I watch it again. And I recall that My son was like, you know, crying for me and getting me away. But here's like something kind of fascinating about infant psychology or wherever it was that I didn't note. So, he's my second son. He wasn't my only child. And I think with only children, you can put more like you're always looking at their faces. So, here's what was fascinating. As I watched this video, when I was filming it, I was watching my husband and our friend sing, but I was not watching my son in the lap. So, I have a video of him like sitting there, chilling, listening to the music a second. He makes eye contact with me and he does this big, beautiful smile. And then he kind of waves at me like, okay, mama, I'm done. Come and get me and I see you. Yeah. But I'm still looking at my husband and friend playing. Then he starts crying. And that was so powerful because how many times were our children communicating with us that we just didn't even see? So here, my takeaway was like, oh, my fussy son doesn't like my husband singing. Well, no, my son actually communicated all these ways for me to come and get him. And then he resorted to crying when it didn't work. I don't know. It was just like a powerful thing of like, he was a little guy, but he all those signals were there. Right. Yeah,
1: that's an amazing story. I think I've seen that video. I don't think so, but I'm going to send it to you now with that background. Okay. Can I show it at trainings? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let me say this too, as we're talking about attachment, because some of you listeners might be like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm not tending to my child's every need and I'm missing these signals and I have four children and I can't possibly pick up on all these signals. No, you can't. It's, of course. <laughs> attachment. Think of if you are healthfully, if you are lovingly attached to your kid, it doesn't mean that you meet their every need every moment. Of course. Because you know what? That's when we start to move into enmeshment. So attachment means that you are a secure, loving, consistent figure in your children's life. But it doesn't mean that you are perfect. It doesn't mean that you meet their every need. It doesn't mean that you read their every expression. It doesn't mean that whenever they express any discomfort, that you're right there to make sure that you figure it out. So I want to be very clear that we do not want to move over into the other place, which I've talked about in the past, is that your goal is to eliminate all distress. Secure attachment, healthy attachment, connection doesn't mean getting rid of your children's distress.
0: Definitely. Something that you said that when I was raising my two babies, I was trying to absorb your wisdom as my sister-in-law. And I appreciated that if you do only have one child, because I had an only child for five and a half years, but it was like, how can I raise an only child as if she were my fourth so that I was careful not to cross into that territory, right? Like, so it's always that sweet spot you say that's a very wide bridge and not a tightrope, Right.
1: And so there's a classic book about parenting, which I haven't read in years and years and years. I probably read it in graduate school when I was 21 years old called The Good Enough Parent. The title right now would be The Good Enough Parent. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be loving. So don't think about this in terms of perfection. Let's go back to the enmeshment place though, because that's the place where it gets tricky. Most of you listening to this Virtually, I bet virtually everybody listening to this is really has a wonderful, loving connection to their kids. Here's where you want to make sure that you're not crossing that line is that you don't step in and make your child responsible for your emotions. There has to be separation We're going back into all the old theories of child raising, but some of them, you know, they're oldies but goodies. Eric Erickson talked about separation and individuation, which means you reach that developmental stage where you're supposed to move away. It happens a few times during child rearing. And one of the examples that I always give, and it's so classic, is you're at the playground with your little toddler and they venture off and they play in the sand or they go on something and then they run back to you. They touch your knee. They offer you something, right? If you remember, for those of you who are past the toddler stage, you remember they come back and they have like a feather or they have a rock or they have something that they found. It's a touch point. Right. And that's what T. Barry Brazelton wrote a book about that too. So there's a lot of really solid information. A meshment is when there is a lack of privacy, when you are stepping into your children's life in a way that doesn't respect their boundaries. Go back and listen to the episode on why you shouldn't track your child, by the way. And the child, as they become a elementary school age kid, what we call latency age, or as they become a tween and then an adolescent, there is an absolute unspoken lack of autonomy, a lack of respect of their differences from you a lack of understanding that their emotions and your emotions are not the same, that's when it crosses into a meshment.
0: Right. Just saying that a different way, allowing the space for your child to have a different emotional experience than you about the same thing. Again, to use an example of if there's a conflicted
1: marital relationship, Right. Or, you know, there's two parents and maybe they're not living together. Maybe they are living together, expecting your child to have the same opinion of the other parent that you do and working on trying to convince that child that your interpretation of the marital relationship should be their interpretation of the parental relationship. Sometimes it's the same, but it's giving space for that child to be able to disagree with you to have different life goals, to have different interests, to have different emotional reactions to a variety of things. Enmeshment means that we are still in the same body almost, right? That we are one. I mean, it's not subtle oftentimes when I see it and when I'm talking to parents about this or when I'm exposed to it in a family, it's not subtle.
0: You know, it's making me think of an example Families that are attached culturally to certain religious groups, for example. So if you're from a very conservative religious background and you have, this is what we do. This is who we are as a family. This is what our community does. This is what our values are. And everyone has a role and everyone has to face forward and move ahead in that role. That would be kind of a similar thing of we expect you to believe this, think this.
1: Right. So when we're talking about enmeshment, we're talking about situations where a child has a difference of opinion. A child wants to explore an interest that the parent knows nothing about. So it's interesting. I'm going to correct myself because I said it's not subtle. And to me, I guess it's not subtle, but I'm just going to point out that in some ways it can be more subtle out in the world. So for example, I remember talking to this father who basically said like his kids were going to go to the college that he went to and there wasn't going to be a discussion about that. Like that was the path. That was the plan and that the kids weren't to think about what they were interested in learning. I mean, he was very clear that his children were smaller versions of himself. Here's a phrase, you know, we we did that episode a while ago on parenting phrases that drive us crazy. When somebody talks about my mini-me, like my child is my mini-me, I cringe a little bit. I'm like, right? I mean, it may be that they look just like you. And you can see that in families, like kids look just like their parents, but that's a little, no, they're not you. Letting them be who they are is the opposite of an enmeshed family. Yeah. The other thing too, that we want to pay attention to is this idea of loyalty to the family is also a sign of enmeshment. So guilt, shame, and loyalty which means that you are not going to talk about this family outside of the family, that you are going to be loyal to our secrets. You are going to be loyal to the way that we view the world. And any digression from those beliefs, the view of the world, what the family does, that's seen as a betrayal. That's a meshment,
0: also. So it's interesting that listeners could say, I'm from a family where culturally that was the norm and others might not where it wasn't a part of their experience or it might be a little more subtle so that they haven't identified where that did show up.
1: Yeah. And the thing we want to be clear about is that there is wonderful joy and connection in family rituals and cultural rituals and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not talking about like everybody is an island, right? You as an individual, I'm not talking about this rugged individual is that, you know, I am who I am because there's going in the wrong direction in that way too. You know, I've talked about in the past how I hear this stuff about boundaries, right? I'm going to put up this boundary. And if you don't like all of me, then you don't get any of me. We don't want to go in that direction either. This isn't every man for himself. It's a combination of loving attachment and acceptance and the room to explore who you are from a loving, accepting, secure base. That's healthy attachment. Ameshment is there's no room for you to explore who you are and my feelings, the way I see things and my emotions are going to be the rule for you as well. There's a book that was written about a meshment, and the uh, <laughs> so people might be able to relate to that. There's a book called When He's Married to Mom, right? And <laughs> the subtitle is like dealing with your husband's ameshment with his mother. You know, we've all seen that. I'm sure there's like sitcoms about that. And being able to to recognize that if you have a a son who grows up and gets married, but the wife is like, okay, you haven't separated from your mom. I mean, that's a great title of a book
0: when he's married to mom. That's meshment. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's talk about parentification.
2: Okay. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs)
1: so now back to the show.
0: Okay, Lynn. So I was a child with divorced parents and my mom definitely parentified me to an extent. And the family joke, and I say family, she was my family. So a joke we had between us later on in life, and I can talk about her because she passed. (laughs) So is that one time she made a Freudian slip and she's like, do you remember when we were growing up in blah, blah, blah. She said that phrase. So she was a very youthful personality. So she saw me as a sister, as an ally. I was just talking with my daughter about this recently. I used to think that she raised such a good problem solver, but she also was like very clever in raising someone who would help take care of her. This was probably part of a plan. And probably not a conscious
1: plan, but this is what happens when I talk about the reversal of roles, is that you were in a parentified role. I remember you telling me about how you were so good at reading maps and planning. You have this incredible talent now. I mean, the skill, your career of traveling and creating these amazing experiences for people probably started pretty early on when you were planning the family vacations, when you were like, okay, this is where we're staying. This is where we're going.
0: And they'd hand me a paper map. (laughs) I was eight. And it was like, and tell us how to get here. Yeah. But so here's the thing, and I'm not in a defensive place about this. My boundaries were respected, though, in the sense that I had privacy. I could disagree with her. I was totally my own person and she had a rebellious streak and she encouraged me to do that even if it wasn't rebelling in the same sense. So how does parentification, it doesn't sync up for me. Like how does that look like a meshment? Because I do have a grandmother who very much was the kind of person that she wasn't that great about privacy when she was raising my mom. And she was definitely a little bit more about my emotional experience is dependent upon the happiness of everyone around me. So that I see. But like, is parentification really about enmeshment too? Well, it can be. So (laughs) have we ever like, we're in a therapy session now, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) So I think that, you know, one of the things that we talk about global thinking, it's not all or nothing. Right. Right. It's not all or nothing. You were parentified in the role of you were promoted to an equal in a lot of ways. Yes. Right? In that promotion, you were treated as an equal. Your mom also allowed you to be who you were. And she also enjoyed your autonomy. She didn't require that you do everything the way that she did, but she definitely liked you more as a peer than as a little person, right? She liked having you up there with her or even liked having you above her, right? You were going to take care of things. You were going to be the responsible one so she could be less responsible. Right. Right. This wasn't a conscious plan. She wasn't sitting saying like, okay, so how can I get Robin? It had to do with the interaction between the way she was living her life and your personality and all that stuff. So, it's not all or nothing because you have an enormous amount of autonomy, You have an enormous amount of independence and capability. And oftentimes when kids are parentified, they do
0: develop those skills. Interestingly, since this has become my therapy session, inadvertently, my mom had a therapist appointment for the first time in her life in her late 20s. She saw this therapist for a short amount of time, but she said it was a complete game changer because my brother and I were very little at the time. And she realized that in her late 20s, Her parents had raised her to still be a child, and that she didn't have autonomy, and that she didn't really take control of anything she was cared for. And so she said in that moment, she was never going to do that to her daughter. And so she raised me to really think for myself. And like another family joke is it's like, you know, you're 10 years old, you can make your own doctor's appointment if you're sick. So she intentionally backed away because she, had such a a moment in her late 20s. She was divorced, she had two little kids, she didn't know what she was going to do. So, she was breaking from a cycle of that kind of enmeshment. And so, I would say she did so partly but that enmeshment and that parentification was still able to happen because perhaps of that enmeshment that she experienced?
1: Yeah. So it can be a combination of things. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a client who had a single mom. He was the oldest of several children. Dad split and mom had to work two jobs so that at the age of about 12, it was his responsibility because his mom worked second shift to get all of the little kids home from school to feed them, to bathe them, and put them to bed. So at the age of 12, he was in charge of all of the younger siblings because mom had to work. And it was the expectation from mom that he do all this perfectly. So there were many problems with this. What there wasn't in that situation, there was parentification, but there wasn't meshment. This mom was not there saying to this kid, you have to feel what I feel, you have to do what I do. This kid was so autonomous because of the parentification. He was actually made a single parent. He was put into the role of a single parent. Putting it back into that realm of, okay, so I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I have this family that I love. What are the things that I want you to pay attention to? Right is One is that I want you to pay attention to Whether or not you're allowing your child to have their own thoughts and feelings and experiences, whether or not you're giving them room to do things and feel things and have opinions about things that are different from your own, whether or not you're using language consistently that talks about how great it is that they're just like you, right? So when I hear a mom say about their 15-year-old daughter, she's my best friend, I cringe. That, you know, it's the same as that mini me statement. Your daughter is not supposed to be your best friend at the very stage of life when she is supposed to be figuring out how she is going to make connections outside of the relationships that she has with the family. So that's what you want to pay attention to. A meshment in its dramatic forms are like the book, He's Still Married to His Mom, meshment in the more subtle forms are i really love how much my daughter is like me and i am going to promote that i'm going to talk about that and i am going to give my daughter or my son messages consistently that they are supposed to be connected to me in a way that gets in the way of their own autonomy right that's how it shows up in sort of the more i want to say normal but in the sort of day to day letting your kids grow and
0: explore versus my feelings are your feelings too. It's interesting to think about when we talk about our children and our relationships, if we're the kind of person that says like, she's my mini me. Yes, she's my best friend. Oh, we're so close. We're so close can mean a lot of different things. And it's an interesting thing if we're all thinking about all the parent relationships in our circle, we probably know a variety of these. My daughter and I have a lot in common naturally. The interests she has now at her age are coincidentally very similar to the interests that I had when I was her age, but I didn't promote that. Like, and I didn't, it's happening organically, but I would never say she's my mini me. If anything, what I do to create boundaries is I say, I love that you do this. And look at the talents and the skills that you have that were different than mine or like it's always still about differentiation. Right.
1: And what you want to think about also, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, God, how do I make sure that I'm not getting meshed with my kid? The other thing I'll hear parents say is that my child will tell me everything. Right. So I have a teenager and she'll tell me everything. Okay, the good part of that statement is that you have created a trusting relationship with your child that they feel like that you're a person they can come to and confide in. And it probably means also that you have pretty good reactions to that or they would stop doing that. The other thing, though, in addition to having a child that tells you all these things is you also want to make sure that you are open to and that you are okay with them having other people that they talk to. I've said this before, but one of the things that was just this moment that I had that I remember so clearly as I was on a trip with Reed, my co-author, my pal Reed, we were presenting at some conference and we were out taking a walk and he was asking me about my boys and my older one was 15 at the time. And I was saying, oh, he's this and this and this. And Reed just said to me, you know, he has a whole other part of his life that you know nothing about you know that, don't you? And I was like, yes, you know, (laughs) right. but it was such a helpful statement because it normalized the fact that my son was going to be separate from me, which he already was, you know, I wasn't enmeshed with him, but it was just this little moment, right? You have somebody that says that to you, it's just a reminder. And so that's what you want to make sure that you're promoting. The fact that you have a child that trusts you and talks to you about things that comes to you with their questions about relationships, or sex, or drugs, or all the things that we want our kids to talk to us about is wonderful. That is positive attachment. But enmeshment is when there's no room for anybody else. Yes, Hermione's raising her hand in the front row. Go
0: ahead, Hermione. If I had a British accent, I would do it. But you've said that this episode was really about the difference between connection and enmeshment. But in fact, this episode is all the ways that our parenting attitudes, philosophies, and practice put into place the development of healthy autonomy in our kids. Right. Because
1: secure attachment supports autonomy. That's the place we're going. We want kids that are able to step out into the world, to know who they are, to develop healthy relationships, to have a variety of different types of connections with people, Secure attachment is the foundation upon which we build all of these other wonderful attachment skills growing up. If you're married to somebody and your therapist says, well, why don't you get the book called When He's Married to Mom, then chances are that you're experiencing that the person you're married to doesn't have the ability to have an attachment with his mom and an attachment with you because he's too far over into the enmeshment. So yes, it's all about the ability to create an environment, to create a family, to create a relationship that allows them to leave the nest feeling equipped. That's what it's about.
0: If this episode was helpful to you, you can join our Facebook community and we'd love it if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn.